Hello again, my name is Anne-Marie Zanzel and welcome to Coming Out and Beyond LGBTQIA Plus Stories. I'm an ordained minister, bereavement counselor, conversationalist, spiritual wanderer, late in life lesbian, change maker, blogger, author, mom of four kids, wife to my lovely spouse Tonda McKay, a northerner living in the south and trying to figure it all out. I share the stories of people who are coming out later in life to the LGBTQIA plus community. These stories are compelling, heartbreaking, joyful, and inspirational. I started this podcast because we need to normalize ex exploration of sexuality and gender at all ages. Plus, visibility is vital to the LGBTQIA plus community. It is never too late to be who we are created to be. My guest proved that. Barb Barbara Rollinson is a woman in her late 40s, almost 50. She came out at the age of 45. She is the mother of two kids, a 21-year-old transgender daughter and a 17-year-old cisgendered daughter. She is a writer, online content strategist, and creator, and has a background in product development, wholesale and retail business management, and event management. For the past 17 years, Barb has lived in the small bayside town of Midland, Ontario. I'm sorry, it's not Midland. Yeah, it is. Small bayside town of Midland, Ontario, Canada. And this year will be pulling up roots to pursue her passion for flower farming in the Kubakunk. Kubakunk? Kubakunk. <laughs> okay. And this year we'll be pulling up roots to pursue her passion for flower farming in the Kobaconk region of Ontario. After many years of dating in the lesbian world, Barb is now happily coupled with her girlfriend, Tammy. Hi, Barb. Welcome to the show. Well, hello. Thank you so much for having me as your guest today. I'm so excited to have you. So, Barb, tell me your story. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. Well, um, I am a late in life lesbian, just like yourself and like a lot of your listeners. I came out when I was 45. I was married to my uh, ex-husband for 21 years and we were together for 24. Um, it, coming to, uh, sorry, how do I say this? Coming to the realization that I was gay was very sudden. It came upon me very suddenly. It happened with a catalyst. Mm -hmm. And what's the catalyst um, part? So a catalyst is uh, a person who enters your life, who you suddenly have feelings for and makes you re-examine your sexuality. And I also know for some of us, it can be an event that happens in your life, a catalyst like you, um, like you get divorced or someone significant dies or, or you have a, a just, you have a serious illness. It sort of is, is something that makes us like reframe our lives, but your catalyst was a person. Was a person, absolutely. And prior to meeting my catalyst, I, if you had told me that I was gay, I would have gone, what? No, that's not possible. Are you kidding me? No, no. However, um, she awakened something in me that I hadn't really realized. And uh, when I reflect back on growing up and my experiences and thoughts and feelings it seems so obvious to me now that i did have same-sex attraction but for the usual host of reasons i shoved them aside or buried them mm -hmm. um, i really did not do a good job connecting uh, my attraction to women with my my sexual desire mm -hmm. I always thought, you know, oh, I really admire her, you know, like I, I would frame it in my mind as admiration of a woman mm -hmm. who I was attracted to. Um, but I, I just didn't connect those dots to to sexual attraction. And it wasn't until I met my catalyst that I did that. So when you say for all the usual reasons, like, what do you mean? Well, I think, uh, you know, when you talk about conditioned versus authentic self, I was very much conditioned um, without realizing it towards a heterosexual life. And I think, you know, if I really am honest with myself, um, I had some internalized homophobia. Uh, I didn't come to realize that until much later. And like with a lot of people who experience internalized homophobia, 
it was absolutely okay for anyone in my life to be gay, except me. Except me. Yeah. That's my definition of internalized. And a lot of times, like, as you know, people in our community are often incredible allies before they come out because they subconsciously understand, even though totally consciously. Yeah. I was very at home uh, in the LGBTQIA plus community. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, went to a theater school. So obviously I had tons of gay friends and um, I was very at home in the queer community, but um, and I always felt like that was my place, but I thought it was as an ally, but really there was something inside of me that wanted something different. Mm -hmm. So I, I think, you know, having gotten married so young, um, having experienced a lot of conditioning from society, from family, from friends, um, and that soupçon of internalized homophobia really meant that I didn't get to explore my genuine sexuality until much, much later in life. Mm -hmm. So you met a woman. Sure did. Yep. Yeah. And so let's talk about that because you're not with her anymore. No. Let's, no. let's, because that happens to a lot of us. And so let's talk about the whole catalyst and, and how you got over it. <laughs> For sure. And I mean, I, there's exceptions to every rule, but what I have noticed in the late in life lesbian community is a lot of times if there's a catalyst who's a person involved, uh, it doesn't usually last. It usually doesn't end well. There yeah. are the there are the exceptions. You know, when we talk about this, it's always a bell curve. There are always people that they marry their catalyst, but it's a very small minority. Absolutely. And my feeling about that is that it's because you're exploring your newfound sexuality with reference to another person, not to yourself. Right. right. She is your link to your she is the link to your queer identity in the beginning. Exactly. Right. In the and beginning. It can be a, a, a whole lot less painful <laughs> if you can do if you can do that exploration without a catalyst. Um, mm -hmm. But I so so my coming out was very turbulent. Mm -hmm. um, I had known for a very long time that I was unhappy in marriage. Um, we, you know, there was a real distance. It was the kind of marriage where um, there wasn't a lot of intimacy. Um, you know, I would retreat to my craft room and he would retreat to the video game console and we would spend a lot of time disconnected from each other. So um, I'd, I'd been thinking about leaving for about 10 years and there's always a reason to defer it. The kids, the, mm -hmm. you know, I'll do it next year when I make more money or I'll do it next year when my. Well, and also there's the conditioning. there is the conditioning in which. Um, women aren't supposed to leave their marriages. Exactly. And it always seemed, I was in a marriage where it wasn't, I didn't have a lot of power either. You know, I didn't drive a car. Oh, wow. I, yeah. Oh no. I only got my license when I was like 46 years old. Wow, Barb. That's incredible. It was huge. It was huge, but I didn't drive a car. My name wasn't on any of the accounts. My name wasn't on the house. My name wasn't on, on the vehicle. Like I was, I was pretty powerless in that marriage. So it seemed a bit hopeless until I got with my catalyst who was a lifelong lesbian and um, very much- you meet her? Uh, I met her, we had a ton of mutual friends in town. And from a, for a very long time, I had noticed her and was attracted to her, but I framed it as admiration. Wow, I really admire her. And she was That's a very, cool. yeah, I know, very male presenting lesbian. She was, she was kind of, a uh, little bit butch, which just seems to be my type. Um, and I admired her from afar. And finally, in an event where we were both nominated for an award, uh, a mutual friend introduced us and we became friends. And we were friends for, oh, probably about a year and a half and just connected as friends and created uh, intimacy and friendship, I guess. Um, and you know, it didn't really occur to me until one time I remember I was lying in bed and she texted me and she said that she had she had met someone and spent the night. And I was jealous. I was jealous. And I'm here I am lying there thinking I'm a straight woman going, 
I was kind of like, oh, I was let down. I'm like, oh, she doesn't yeah, like I me. Can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so doesn't was like that me. your moment that you realized, oh, shit, I may not be straight? <laughs> it, that was definitely a moment. And then, you know, she confessed later on that she had some feelings for me. And I had said, like, I can't be, I can't do that with you. I'm afraid of losing your friendship. But upon further introspection, I realized like, oh, no, you know what? Um, I'm definitely falling in love with this person. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to be a cheater. Mm -hmm. Um, That was not what I wanted for myself, for my family. I know from personal experience and having lived in a family where there was infidelity, um, that uh, it, it just affects the whole family. And there's no keeping that secret. I mean, it, it, it's really destructive for families. And I thought, no, I'm going to have some integrity. I've been thinking about leaving for a long time. I'm going to leave and I'm going to explore this possibility. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was very turbulent. And it, it almost seems like as soon as I spoke it aloud to a friend of mine, who we went on a, a road trip to Nashville. Mm-hmm. And she's also happens to be a counselor. And so it's a really long drive. And I got many, many hours of free therapy (laughs) in the car. And as soon as I spoke it aloud, it was like I couldn't bear to hold the facade any longer. It it became literally unbearable for me. Yes. So I left. I left my my family home. My, My kids were there. It was truly the hardest thing that I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my kids were deeply affected, although my, my oldest was much more, um, accepting, um, having been identified as a, a gay male at that point mm-hmm. actually said to me, mom, we're the gay ones in the family. <laughs> um, my youngest had a much, much harder time with it. She's 13. She was 13 at the time mm-hmm. and learning to do things like live without my children every day. That was that was really, really tough. Mm-hmm. I will say though, that despite this, anything that is worth doing is often difficult. Correct. It is extremely difficult to upend your life, but if the payoff is authenticity, it is so worth it. And for anybody who is worried about their kids, because that was a huge one for me. Right. It was difficult at first, but if you ask my children now, they are so proud of their big loud gay mom. (laughs) (laughs) And what I have taught them Mm -hmm. by changing my life so radically is that they shouldn't settle either. And also there's resilience in there. They had to, they had to, change with the changes in their family mm-hmm. and so you also taught them resilience as well and there will be other things that happen in their life that they have to be resilient about that they it's something they didn't ask for but they have to to learn to process those emotions and mm-hmm. deal with mm-hmm. you know um i want to get back to something you said really quickly sure for you you know, you met this woman and you didn't want to have an affair, but that happens to a lot of women in our community. They have an affair. Have you reframed that thinking at all around that? Or uh, like, because I feel like it's such much, a much more complicated thing when woman falls in love and doesn't even really realize what they're getting into. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more, much more than a, just an affair. Have you rethought any of that about that? You know, there's definitely a lot. I have now a lot less judgment mm-hmm. for people who do have affairs. Me too. A lot less judgment. I just because have that. This you're taking the, what you need. Right. And also, this is the thing is that. We have, you know, marriages look, we have no idea what goes on in a marriage. A marriage that looks perfectly happy from the outside can be very lonely and miserable. And a lot of times one of the spouses 
refuses to connect while the other one is trying to, and they just mm-hmm. refuse. So I have a, like, I've lost all judgment about what people do with their lives. That's their life. And I understand for like for me as well, I knew that like my ex-husband and I, when we discussed all of this, we did the polyamory open marriage route and even talked about a threesome. And I'm like, well, Jim, if I sleep with somebody who's, uh, uh, if I sleep with a woman, you're not going to be there. You know, I mean, that just wasn't in my wheelhouse. And Mm -hmm. so I left my marriage and met somebody after I left my marriage. I didn't know anybody beforehand. And so for me, that's what's working. But I think I know Barb really well. And I don't, we have no judgment for people that, you know, have come to this realization and may have made different choices. Sure. And, you know, having lived through this experience, when I had made that decision to leave, it was really based on like my childhood experience, my childhood frame of mind. I just remember being a wounded kid with a parent who was so clearly not present. And the reason for them not being present was because they were with somebody else. But now that I have lived through it and I'm an adult, um, and it, and to be honest, like, you know, I was having an emotional affair before it ever became physical. Physical, right. So, so um, I have a lot less judgment because it truly is a symptom of what's, what's going on in your life. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, we are human. We have well, feelings. Well, and I also heard you say, I made the decision responding from my conditioned self, but now that I'm authentically who I am, I might like my conditioning around that I've lost that. And that's how I feel like I've lost it too. I have such much more compassion about any of that stuff. And I also realize it's other people's lives and I don't live their life. So I have a lot of compassion. Mm -hmm. So getting back to your catalyst, um, it was really bumpy. It, it totally was. Um, there was that very turbulent sort of, it seemed like everything happened all at once. Yeah. And it all happened very close together. And because it happened that way, there wasn't really the time for my catalyst and I to explore whether we genuinely were compatible. And it turns out we really weren't. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of passionate feelings for each other. We mm-hmm. had a lot of attraction for each other, but when it came down to it, we were very, very different people. And I was so early on in my journey that there were a lot of things I'm sure that I did that were very, very triggering for her. Mm-hmm. One of them was, uh, I, in the, those early days, I did not consider myself a lesbian mm-hmm. and that drove her crazy, mm-hmm. <laughs> really upset her. Right. And because that's where I was in my journey. I didn't, I didn't really know. I just knew that I was attracted to her, but you know, I had been. Well, and it's a lot of back and forth in your head, right? Like I remember I was with Tonda, my wife for like nine months or uh, almost a year. And and I literally said to her, maybe I'm not gay. And (laughs) she looked at me and was like, you've been in a, you're not straight because you've been in a relationship with me for, I mean, you know, and so I do think that we turn it over and our particular, um, our, our later in life community, we tend to turn things over and over in our heads. And I agree with you. There are things like one thing I wouldn't, I would caution people to do if you're dating somebody who is a long time out lesbian and you are divorcing your spouse, find somebody else to talk to about that because mm-hmm. she's your, she's your lover and your love interest. And if you just think about this, if you were dating a, a new man, you wouldn't be talking about your husband all the time. You just wouldn't. And it's the same thing. And so it's sort of like learning those boundaries, learning those, like realizing that this is your lover and not your girlfriend, like, straight women talk about like, you know, straight women, we, you know, when we lived that life, you would talk to your girlfriend about something, but she Mm -hmm. didn't want to hear about like my, my wife, although she was sympathetic and loving and stuff, it was hard for her. And, um, Mm -hmm. to hear about that because she just wanted to go and have a nice, happy relationship with me. Right. (laughs) 
and, and I was like, you know, she's over here on her journey and you're over here. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's- it took a lot. And she's written about that. So if you want to look on my mm-hmm. blog, you can see Tonda's a take on our relationship, mm-hmm. but it sounds like you and your catalyst struggled with, you were so new. So new, so new and just awakening to these feelings and not really knowing where I fell on the queer spectrum. And I really needed time and space to explore that. And I didn't have it because I was already in this new relationship. And, you know, when I would say, well, I'm not really sure if I'm a lesbian, maybe I'm bisexual, maybe I'm pan, maybe. And that that really upset her. Um, You know, had I had a little more time to percolate as a queer person before starting a relationship, mm-hmm. uh, it might have been more, su- well, no, I don't think it would have been more successful. No, probably not. <laughs> different. Um, but, uh, but that time to percolate was needed. And, mm-hmm. you know, I will, I'll interject here to say that when you start thinking that you might be queer, mm-hmm. a lot of people, I think, think that, wow, I, I need to, have a girlfriend i need to try a relationship i need that's what i need to do that's not what you need you know what you need community yep exactly you need need community of people you need other queer friends who you can talk to who aren't romantic love interests Mm -hmm. to you can explore concepts around identity with Mm -hmm. and and you know it's through community that you do end up meeting somebody (laughs) eventually but Mm -hmm. taking that time to really figure out who you are as a queer person mm-hmm. is super duper important. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you, that's my, would be my number one piece of advice. If you think you're queer, cultivate those queer friendships friendship. that you may already have. If you already know lesbians or other queer people, start really working on cultivating those relationships. If you don't know anybody who's queer, get out into your community and find them. There's lots of organizations. And, you know, and, and I just want to say, when you live in a straight community your entire life even if you're an ally you don't realize like how many queer people are around you so many and so many times people say oh well i live in the middle of farming country in blah 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 yeah it might take a little effort but i'm going to tell you that there are queer people around you totally And you just need to look and be, you're going to, and the thing is, is we have to put ourselves out there. So you might have to join a Facebook group. You might have to join a meetup, but there, so a lot of times the queer people aren't going to fall on your lap. You need to go out and look for them. You need to actually cultivate it and work on fostering those friendships and relationships. And you're absolutely right. I mean, if you do live in the middle of nowhere in farming country or a small town like I do, I mean, even in my small town, I have queer friends here. But if you can't find people in person, go online. There are tons of wonderful communities. Yeah, like I have a secret <laughs> community. So come and contact me and I can put you in that. And that's a great community. It's oh, great for community. sure. And you can yeah. develop really wonderful friendships. Friendship in those kinds of groups and uh, that are just as every bit as meaningful and with every as much connection as you can need. Mm-hmm. And um, they have really high values. So mm-hmm. find your community and then worry about finding a girlfriend, I think would be my biggest advice. So you and your catalyst broke up. What was that like? Um, it was, um, well, remember that very first time you thought you were in love? Maybe it was in high school and um, you had all those kind of big feelings. Maybe it was the first person you were intimate with and then you broke up and it felt like the world stops mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's all over. Uh, you're absolutely wrecked beyond and it is it is just like you're 16 again and breaking up for the first time. It's painful painful and go ahead i'm sorry oh sorry we we were friends for about a year and a half but we were together as a couple for about eight months so it didn't last in couplehood very long at all and i had felt like i had given up so much to be with her and it all came crashing down and the reality of 
my new life just like hit me like a ton of bricks mm -hmm. and um it, it was really tough um i was really really sad but over time one foot in front of the other i was able to pick myself up and start exploring who i genuinely was mm -hmm. and that's when i did a lot of writing some reading and months later after the breakup i started dating so that's what we're going to talk about now this is barb's tales in the lesbian dating <laughs> <laughs> oh boy <laughs> a lot of people are really really super curious about and it's like i just um uh just got a letter uh, or an email from um the woman who does the conscious dating lesbian dating site which uh lot no conscious lesbian site um i can't remember her name right now mm -hmm. um but it, it was the email 10 reasons why lesbian dating is so <laughs> hard and i'm like uh so barb let's talk about lesbian dating let's do it <laughs> okay so what was it like how did you okay how did you start well when i was ready to start exploring the idea of dating again. Um, I actually was still questioning my sexuality and where I where I fell. So I joined two separate online dating platforms, one for men, and one for women. Mm -hmm. And I decided I was going to try dating both and see see where I landed. It didn't take me long to shut down the men account. <laughs> really good idea that if you're still questioning maybe try to date some men and see if it feels right for you yeah exactly that's exactly what i did and uh how and long did it take you to close down that account not, not not very long at all maybe a couple of months and i it didn't actually didn't take me long till i met somebody who um a woman who i really again fell super hard for um and we were together for about six months and it was long distance as many lesbian relationships are uh, yeah it is the reality of dating in the lesbian world a lot of times my relationship was what 1200 miles i mean it, it you know i dated long distance for 18 months it, yeah it's just the reality it's just the reality. And at the time I, I didn't drive. I still didn't have a driver's license. So the only one was on her to come to see me. And um, it was it was during that relationship that I really was like, yeah, I'm definitely a lesbian. <laughs> like, it really came to me. It was like, I, I don't ever want to cross back over that bridge again. I'm I'm happy where I am here. The level it just feels more natural at the level of connectivity is different um you know uh so i i was able to figure figure it out that way um and of course that relationship didn't last either um i've dated i've dated several women some for fairly short term just like you know one date um some how do you just... know she's not for you oh my goodness how do you know she's not for you well, that's, I mean, the, that's the big question. A lot of times people say, you know, first of all, they're like, was it a date? I'm not quite sure if it was a date. <laughs> right. Right. And then stuff like that. But like, you seem to like, you know, you dated, like, how did you know? I mean, definitely chemistry is a thing, but I had a really awesome piece of advice from my therapist, which I will share with you. Okay. And I wish I had done this right from the start. It would have saved me a little time and heartache. Um, you can have chemistry for a person with a person, but it's not uh, a long-term thing. And that's what I was searching for. I was, I'm not interested in, you know, just short-term relationships and, and that's valid if you are. Decide what you want for sure. If you, you know, are you looking to get married again? Are you looking to just take it easy and see where this goes? Are you looking for one night stands? All of these options are valid. If, if Absolutely. And you yeah. have to be super clear about it. Uh, something my therapist taught me to do was to make, get out your Excel spreadsheet or your Google Sheets, <laughs> and you're going to make several columns. One is must-haves. One is deal breakers. And one is would be nice to have. So for example, one of my deal breakers is smoking. Mm -hmm. 
I won't date a smoker. Mm -hmm. So if you meet somebody and they seem like the greatest person in the world and they smoke, I got news for you. Like mm -hmm. it, it will become an issue and it will become a problem. And so, must loves is a job. Like, gonna, all right. So I'm going to push back at you. Okay. Okay. Barb, I just want it to happen naturally. This seems to be too much, um, too much. I just want to meet somebody naturally. And this seems like too much work. It feels unnatural. Right. It might seem a little cold to have to make an inventory of what you want and need. But remember, who are you doing this for? You. You. Yeah. So it is okay. And we, we are conditioned to not prioritize our own wants and needs. Right by articulating our wants and needs, we bring them to the surface, we bring them to the front of our minds. Mm -hmm. And that way we can be much more mindful of fulfilling what we need. Correct. And, you know, like, like say, say the smoker thing again. Mm -hmm. again no judgment if you're a smoker. Like, no, no. <laughs> we're just fun. using it as an I'm example. just using it as an example. That's, my, that's one of my deal breakers. It might not be yours or your listeners, but, um, there are, I think an older version of me might have said, oh, you know what, she's a smoker, but she's working really hard to quit, or she won't smoke as much, or she might smoke outside. There would be a tendency for me to either want to fix or caretake her. Mm -hmm. And that's not my job. Mm -hmm. My job is to caretake me. Right, exactly. So it might feel a bit unnatural to, to make that inventory but do it. But I think it's really helpful because you really clarify what you want. You're doing yourself a favor. You're doing your future people a favor. And of course, you know, the line may shift. You may right. change your mind. That's okay. Yes. You may be in the beginning being like, I just want to date and have fun. And you might do it for a couple of years. And then you say, this is so like soul sucking for me or no, I don't want to do it. Then you can change your criteria. It is absolutely valid to change your, you can do whatever you want. It's your life. Yeah. Once you make those lists, it doesn't mean they're written in stone, mm -hmm. but it just calls to mind what you need and want in the present moment. And, and I also, yeah, but I think the deal breaker should always be on like, you may add a deal breaker to your list. But I don't know if I would take a deal breaker off because you've met somebody oh. like a smoker person. Because a lot of women that come out later in life, we are caretakers. And we also struggle with codependency because a lot of us have been raised in chaotic homes. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, so we think, oh, well, like Barb said, it was such a great example. Oh, I'll fix this. <laughs> or I'll put up with this. Or I'll love her enough that I'll love yeah. it out of her. Yes. And then, you know, you're trying to change somebody to fit your needs. And that's and not good. That's not good. You know, unless, she, you know, so, and, and again, no shade to the smokers. We're just using it as an example because it's an easy example to use and people understand that. Um, but it's something, you know, like that it's a deal breaker for you. And so when we're making our list, I think that we should really think about what is a deal breaker for me. You know, sure. you know, yeah. and it's interesting for me, um, for me on my list is somebody who is addicted to drugs or alcohol. Yep. Deal breaker. Yep. I, and it's really funny. I want to share a little story. Tonda called me once when we were just friends. No, she didn't call me. She was messaging. It was clear to me that she had been drinking. My wife is not a drinker or is she is very, she's not a teetotaler, but she, that's not one of her issues. So I want to be really clear about that. And I realized we were just friends and I realized she had had a couple of drinks and I'm like, nope. Wow. <laughs> and, and I didn't talk to her for six weeks and then she reached out and she didn't even know, like, I mean, I just did stop talking to her and she didn't even realize it. We joke about it now, but she talked to me, you know, she reached out again and I really thought about it before answering her because I was like, and then I realized that she wasn't a drinker. It was just a one-time mm -hmm. thing. And, you know, but it that to me is a deal breaker because I've lived my life with addicts. Right. I do not want to live my life with addicts anymore. Right. I just exactly. don't. 
yeah. um, living with someone with unmanaged um, depression or anxiety is a deal breaker for me. I grew up with a parent who mm-hmm. is unipolar and um, has PTSD. And, you know, so that that's a huge trigger for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's that's totally valid. Maybe sometime down the road. I don't, I don't know, but that to me is not one that I could ever take off my list. Yeah, but, there's things that are not coming off my list. But there are sure things that get added. The more you date, the more you add to that deal breaker list. Let me tell you. Oh, <laughs> so boy. what did you add to your deal breaker list? Well, you know, it's interesting um, that you learn something with every person that you date. Mm-hmm. And it might feel discouraging if it doesn't work out. But with every person that you date, you learn what you don't want. Mm-hmm. So, for example, second woman I dated, huge red flag. I should have seen it at the time. She said that she doesn't cry. Mm-hmm. Well, later on, I learned that that is somebody who has a very difficult time connecting to her own emotions and right. then uh, then wouldn't accept it from me either. So anytime I would start to get teary about something, it would be like, don't cry. Mm-hmm. Well, do you want to be with a person who is detached from emotion? Right. Not so. Or much. try to control yours. Exactly. Yeah. Do you want to so, be with somebody like that? Right. No, no, you don't. You learn something with every with every new person. So it sounds like to me, it's like an adventure. <laughs> Like, I mean, it may not have felt like it, but maybe it did. You know, it's like an adventure. Like, it's like what I find in our community is that a lot of times women are trying to find their person. I hear it all the time. How am I going to find my person? How am I going to find my person? And it's like, that's not what this is about. You are your person. You are your person. And you may have to do things that you're not comfortable with at first Mm -hmm. to start dating and things like that. And, but this is about finding community. This is Mm -hmm. about finding yourself and then maybe thinking about dating as an adventure. And, and I love when people like, you know, Barb is like, Oh God, I have stories. And I just published a blog piece, my hot vac summer with my friend who wrote her seven dates in 14 days. Um, (laughs) You know, it's just like, just open yourself up to it and don't, don't settle on a type. Don't say, oh, I only need bit. I'm only going to date butch women. Don't do that. Find women that are like, just date women, all kinds of women. Because my wife says, she goes, basically, we all end up as chapstick lesbians when we're sitting on the couch. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, we do. Yeah, we just all, you know, we're in our t-shirts and jeans and, you know, we all look like, you know, so yeah. it's just interesting. Just be open. You know? Yeah, try it. I mean, I, for me, it's interesting you talk about, you know, um, type. I mean, I did. I I've traditionally have been really attracted to butch women. Um, mm-hmm. I identify as a more femme woman mm-hmm. um, and uh, either, you know, really butch or soft butch women is, is something that I really liked. And I've I've put that aside to try and date uh, women who are more feminine. I tried it. Didn't work out for me. It just seems to be for me that was a piece, but that's okay. You know what? I ended up making a really good friend out of it. She's, she's great. So. Well, and also you just tried it. And so instead of saying no, you said, okay, I'm going to try it and see if it works for me. And And there are people that get surprised. I have like, for example, for myself, I'm with a butch woman. I never thought I'd be with a butch woman. It just, I never knew it. Like until I opened myself up to this experience, like I realized I was attracted to butch women, but I didn't, I didn't realize it. So like in the beginning, I thought I was going to end up with someone like you, someone like someone femme, because I'm a lot on this more femme side. But then I met somebody that was butch and I was like, oh, damn, that's hot. Yeah. <laughs> Butches are hot. What can I say? <laughs> we, all, we love you out there. We love men. beautiful butches. We love them. We do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Katie Lang, for instilling that, you know, inclination. Yes, Katie Lang and so many others. <laughs> so, um, 
Anything you want to add about your dating experiences? That, you know, dating is definitely an adventure. There are, the ups are fantastic. The downs stank. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're painful. Um, there's, there's, I think, a perception that it is easier to date women, women dating mm -hmm. women. That mm -hmm. is not the case. No, it's not any easier than dating in a heteronormative world. Um, it's just different. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the highs, the highs are high, the lows are low. If you find yourself in a space where you're feeling heartbroken or disappointed, this is something I've, I've articulated to many, many people. I feel like hearts are like Blondie got it wrong. Hearts are not made of glass. Mm -hmm. Hearts are made of Nerf balls. So they're spongy. They're spongy. <laughs> Your Nerf ball heart may get stomped on. It may get squished, twisted, um, thrown away. <laughs> but and and uh, it will always eventually regain its shape. You are going to be okay. It might th those heartaches, especially that first breakup after you've been if you date a lesbian for the first time. It can be so so painful. It might feel like your heart will never regain its shape, but it does. Give it time. It may not look as shiny and new as when you first got it out of the box, but it still works beautifully. So don't let it. Don't let disappointments discourage you from mm -hmm. keep going. Mm -hmm. You're going to learn from each experience what you want and what you don't want, and eventually you date enough, you're going to find somebody you become more of your a person who is confident in what you want mm -hmm. confident in yourself confident in your identity and that's when you attract people who are a good fit for you so be brave new lesbians be brave be brave you not maybe i'm not straight women yes <laughs> um you know it sort of reminded me of the metaphor of grief um you know it's this ball and um, it's not that the ball grows, it's that you grow around the grief, if you've ever seen the, the grief jar. And it's like, it's like you said your heart does, isn't broken. I mean, your, your heart isn't made of glass, but what ends up happening is I think you learn, right? Mm -hmm. And your heart stays the same, but you grow around it. Like you become bigger. You realize, oh, this is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I have to have all of those things happen and so and your heart will recover and i love the nerf ball we're gonna have to put that up in social media for sure you can. that quote that quote right there is gonna be all over social media sure. your heart's a nerf ball absolutely your heart's a nerf ball. <laughs> absolutely you grow around it and you grow i really do feel like in the last five years in all of the experiences that i've had I finally started to gain something that is like wisdom. Maybe it is it is wisdom. Mm -hmm. um, so, so with all of these life experiences, you're coming out of this more sheltered environment. Um, you know, of your marriage, at least I did, and you have all these experiences. You gain knowledge, you gain experience, and you gain wisdom, and that only serves you. For good. well, yes, and also too you gain compassion like you and I like we were talking about like judging people that had affairs and now neither one of us do that because mm -hmm. of the compassion and the complexity and you mm -hmm. develop empathy and okay. also too like one of the things that Christina Neff says in radical self-compassion is that you know is that the universality like the shared humanity is really important so realizing that you're not the only one out there. There are a lot of women that have gone through that. And, and that's the myth in the queer community is the myth is everybody figures this out when they're a teenager. And that, that I have met so many women that have been married that didn't figure, I've met men that figure it out in their thirties. I just got contacted on LinkedIn by somebody who's like a 50 year old man who just figured it out. So mm -hmm. it takes, for some people, it just takes a while and that's their journey that they're on. Mm -hmm. For people that figure it out early, 
they have other journeys to take. They sure <laughs> they, do. And one is easier journeys. than the other. Yeah. They just it's have just other different. Journeys. It's, it's just, just different. a different flavor of heart. It's a different flavor of challenge. Yeah. And, and, and no matter when you come out, it is challenging whether you're there for different reasons, yes. but it's challenging. And, and as like Barb said in the beginning of this, find your community, go online. If you are brand new to this, go online and, and, or reach out to me and, or reach out to Barb. She knows some groups she can put you in and, we would love to help you find your community because that is the number one thing you need to do. So Agreed. Barb, when you were coming out, did you have a coming out song? <laughs> yes. You know, I read your, I read your- <laughs> yes, I absolutely do. And it is like the, probably the most stereotypical uh, song. The lesbian anthem. <laughs> lesbian anthem. And I, I, I guess I'll just, I'll say the sort of G rated version of this is I was, the radio was on during an intimate moment and closer to fine came on the radio and it was like my brain exploded with i'm gay like, <laughs> <laughs> like this is a sign <laughs> i am this is gay. i am closer to fine <laughs> it was the gayest song that you could hear in this moment and, uh, and it was just, yeah, there was no coming back after that. That was like, that is literally the mark, the marker from pre to post lesbian. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just have to tell you something so funny. Last night I had, I was talking to a client and she had this very beautiful picture behind her because I do everything on zoom. And it was this women, a group of women, it was an artwork. And I said, Oh my God, that's really, and we started talking about it. I said, yeah, that's, I said, that's so lesbian to have pictures of women up all over your home. She emailed me after the thing. She goes, I have eight pictures of women. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, but you don't. It's so funny how those are. It's like our little signs. I mean, not that anything means, but like when you, it's like you have to add the signs together that you might. It's like, oh "Oh my God. (laughs) It's just so much more obvious in retrospect, but. Yeah. So, and that happens to us is that like what ends up happening is you end up it's retrospect. You like your brain saw, saw it one way, but then when your clear queer lens begins to develop, you start seeing other ins- You're like, oh, 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 yeah. oh, I wasn't, it was a crush. I didn't admire her. Yeah, I wanted to be with her. her. I thought she was cool. <laughs> I mean, I did think, not, but you know, <laughs> okay, book. What oh. was. Yeah. So after that first, um, that breakup with my catalyst, um, I was gifted from my sister who is the most wonderful person on earth. Um, I was gifted with this series part one and two of Goodnight stories for rebel girls. And they are actually intended to be children's books, but I would highly recommend anyone read them. First of all, the stories are are short they're just one page per woman um and all of the illustrations are done by women and they are an account of women uh past and present who have done remarkable things girls and women Mm -hmm. and when i read about the stories of these remarkable women from all walks of life all nationalities um you know women in science women in art women who are political activists um just every flavor of woman you can think of who's done something remarkable with their life i read about so many women and girls overcoming such huge hardships um what would seem like insurmountable uh, obstacles women who were fleeing war women like malala yosafai i'm saying that right i never quite say that right but well, you know, i can't say her last name no i'm sorry malala <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> or women who are fleeing afghanistan or women who were trying to uh make it in a man's world mm-hmm. women who were early scientists who were early uh into medicine before it was common for women to do that all kinds of really just a constellation of women's stories Okay. What was it called again? uh, It was called Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls. 
And when I read about all of these women accomplishing all of these incredibly difficult things, I thought to myself, I can survive this. I, I, I'm not going to be in the depths of despair forever. I, I can get through what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I say that book saved my life because it was really, I was so down having lost everything, like literally everything, my, my home, my family, my belongings, my relationships, like people around me who wouldn't talk to me anymore because I had left my marriage, like all kinds of friendships, everything. I really lost everything. And so when I read about these young, these women, it just, it gave me courage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how is your life today? My life today is exciting and mm-hmm. happy and fun. And um, I, uh, I'm, have, I'm dating someone who's absolutely wonderful, my girlfriend, Tammy. Um, uh, we have seven kids between us, so it makes things very exciting and busy. Busy. We, we don't live together, not yet, but um, it's definitely something I think that's on our, our future, in our near future. Um, I have found courage to do other kinds of things, to apply the courage that I've learned mm-hmm. over the past five years. Mm-hmm. It, it seeps into other areas of your life. So uh, I'm I'm actually embarking on a change of career, although I'm keeping some of the stuff that I do. But my sister and I are starting a flower farm this year, mm-hmm. and starting a new business takes a huge amount of courage uh, and fortitude, and it's scary and it's exciting. And I I'm no longer afraid of the adventure. I'm I I drive. It brings me joy to drive mm-hmm. a car. Mm-hmm. I will even be driving to the grocery store and I will just think to myself, I am so happy I can do this. For I know, family. you don't have to depend on people anymore. You can do I'm so much more self-sufficient. Uh, I am in, I'm the captain of my own ship and I might steer off course every once in a while or hit a bump or go through a storm, but I've learned that I can rely on myself to get to where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Barb, it has been amazing having you on this show today on my show. Um, I've known you for about like like six like four months now, three months. Like we we all were like we were like it's like when you're in these groups, you're aware of people, but sometimes you know you see their names, you see when they comment, but you don't get to know them. And and Barb and I are working together now, and I just want to tell you, you have such joy about you. Okay. It is so pleasant to be around you. And I know that that came from a lot of hard work. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I'm very grateful to have you in my life and that I've met you and that we're working together now and having fun together and helping our community because both Barb and I are very passionate about the later in life community. And so I want to thank you for your time today on coming on the show and talking about lesbian dating and sharing your wisdom with us. Um, It is it's been an honor to have you today. Well, I just, the honor's totally mine. I absolutely love the work that we're doing together. And it's such a blessing to be able to help serve other women who have been where we have been. Yes. It's deeply, deeply meaningful to me. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, you too.